Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story. Well, first of all, it's Share the Show Tuesday, where we invite you to share the show across social media or with a person you know who you think is ready to have the scales pulled from their eyes or who has already been so blackpilled that they stop listening to the news completely. This way they can actually stay informed without being aggravated constantly by all the spin and lies and the propaganda. So this is your opportunity. And if you know... Specifically, people in New York City, in England, in Fort Worth, Texas, or in Denver, I have some information for them in pursuant to, well, I'll just tell you right now, Higher Side Chats has meetups. And since there's a lot of kind of overlap with our topics and or at least our audiences and our audiences' attitudes, Greg Carlwood of the Higher Side Chat suggested that us and some other like-minded podcasters kind of piggyback on their meetups. So if you are interested in meeting up with like-minded people, which is basically the, in my mind, the sense of community and feeling like we're not alone, that's the power. That's the white pill. So I'm totally on board with that. Uh, you can go to HiresideMeetups.com slash events. I'll tell you at the end of the show when each of those meetups are over the next week and where, of course, I'll repeat it. So share the show with anyone you think is ready for this or anybody who's looking for a meetup in one of those cities. Okay, so normally we try not to just focus so much on the dumb pandemic thing because it's been going on for two years and I kind of got sick of it after two months. But things are in motion right now. And one thing that has got people in a panic is what's happening in Washington state, which ends up was hoax. So the law in Washington state that many people uh, alerted me to, there was a call to action tomorrow, there's going to be a hearing about possibly detaining people who refuse to cooperate with health protocols, even children. Uh, apparently, it was, it's not really that. It's They are, however, considering putting the COVID vaccine on the children's vaccine schedule, which in itself makes no sense at all, because actually the original ones are... Uh, from what I understand, totally obsolete because that original strain of COVID is, it doesn't even make a blip in the current cases and the Omicron vaccine is available. Yeah. You'd have to, some people say you'd have to get a vaccine every month to really keep up on having immunities for this. So that actually in itself doesn't make sense. And I still uh, urge people in Washington state to plug into that and make sure that that doesn't go anywhere. That's January 12th. But there was a really good article and I will hat tip to Bob who left on propreport.locals.com the message that that thing wasn't really real. But I looked into it and found that there was a really good article at the Washington Policy Center, which I had never heard of. It's Washington State, not D.C. And the head headline was misinformation about a January 12th State Board of Health meeting was easy for many to believe. And it and the, I thought it was going to be a hit piece, but it was actually the woman saying, look, we are in a state of panic because that's totally believable. It's totally believable that they would start taking those kind of measures because the VAX mandate, it would be only one step away. I mean, a mandate that's uh, full of fines or you lose your job is just one step away of actual physical force. And that, so I thought it was an interesting article and it, that 
Washington Policy Center looked like has a lot of good articles. So I'm putting those in the show notes. Um, uh, Betty White's, these are just a few other little tidbits. Betty White's cause of death was revealed. Uh, apparently she had a cerebrovascular accident six days before her death. So anybody who thought the booster three days after that and three days before her death contributed to her death is obviously an idiot. Now, I personally knew, or I should say anticipated, would it be a cerebrovascular event? Wait, which is like did you say she got the booster after that? Yeah, I was being a little bit facetious in that. So they're saying, see, it wasn't about the booster. She had the cerebrocardio event six days before. Now, reports were that she got the booster three days before. So if you have a stroke uh, that... What you want, actually, I was, I've been reading about this because when we were talking on the Union of the Unwanted with Dr. Malone, uh, who is the subject of controversy these days, but he did say, and I investigated it further, that the spike protein, whether it's in the vax or in the COVID itself, breaks the blood-brain barrier. So it's very bad for people who have had a stroke. And and I further investigated, and I guess... Um, it's very interesting because turmeric, curcumin, which is in turmeric, helps to counter that. Um, I thought that was interesting, or according to the research I found. But in any case, so when I hear people like, don't you don't know the cause of death, they suspected that the booster contributed to her death. I'm always looking towards whether it's a weird blood disease or stroke or any kind of blood problem or um, you know, vascular problem, which can also, by the way, lead to heart attack. So I kind of, this kind of stuff is on my radar. I don't know what to make of that. But every single time I heard that story this morning, it was quickly followed up. Let's see if you heard this too. That Jenna Jameson, you know who she is? Is that the porn star? Yeah, she's like the most popular or whatever, money-making is or whatever. I've never star. heard of her. <laughs> I didn't know. They they didn't say she was a porn star on Fox. They said she was like a model or something. So so the report was she lost her ability to walk and has been diagnosed with Guillain-Barre. What does that make you think? That's the side effect of the vaccine, isn't it? Absolutely. It's an autoimmune response that malfunction that was the subject of that 60 minutes thing from the 70s when the swine flu vaccine caused cases of that i think 25 cases they pulled it off the market whereas here the vaccine injuries are you know thousands of times that and they haven't pulled it off the market so it was just an obvious one and i thought wow they're advertising that i can't believe it because it's so obvious that that is a well-known uh, vaccine side effects i don't even know if you can get it without getting a vaccine so I dug into it a little bit because I thought, well, this Washington story was kind of weird. Let's see about this. She came out in 2019, so before all this, defending anti-vaxxers as victims of bullying. And she has said that she is not vaxxed. So that Guillain-Barre thing that she was diagnosed with, they're advertising it broadly because she supposedly isn't vaxxed. Now, I'm going to predict right now she makes a full recovery. Because I smell a rat with this story. And then when I tried to investigate further, I found a, twi her, uh, her, a, twi a Twitter account by Jenna J. Jameson One. And the tagline on the Twitter account was, things are not quite what they appear to be at this time. Keep searching for the truth. Don't believe the MSM and don't take the vaccine. 
but it wasn't her. It's a different Jenna Jameson. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny. Her Jenna Jameson has actually exited Twitter and has been off Twitter for a while. So I don't know what the story is there, but do not fall for the assuming that Jenna Jameson is vax injured with her Guillain Barre. It's probably also a little tricky searching Jenna Jameson if you're looking for information on this story on Google as some of her past work might come up. Well, if you hit news, though, you just see. Yeah, yeah, you just see that. See. That's what I, I didn't get. I didn't get caught up in anything weird. <laughs> so that was that. But I have my uh, deepest dive of the day is about the Rand Paul Fauci feud. Yeah, and I watched what, that. So I'll tell you about Well, we can talk about it a little bit, but I've got a little code cracking or whatever my, my thoughts are on that. All right. Well, we've been talking about the World Economic Forum's attempt to implement this ESG model of government, which is kind of the Great Reset model of governance. Is Davos, when is it happening? Usually I believe it, it starts now, on January right? 21st. Yeah. Okay, so that's why this stuff is Yeah, really it's leading current. up to this. They're right. talking about what they're going to be further talking about in the coming weeks. And we talked about how they want the wealthy families to invest in corporations so that they can force their way onto the boards and exercise control that way. They've talked about how they want venture capitalists to invest in companies built around ESG standards so that they can build them from the ground up, kind of indoctrinate baby companies with that model. And now what they're talking about is they want to use, and we've talked about this before, social entrepreneurs to help achieve the ESG standards at companies. An entrepreneur is someone who is, according to the World Economic Forum, who behaves like an entrepreneur while working within a large organization. A social entrepreneur, these are talented and ambitious employees who want to use their firm's resources to create positive social and environmental impact. That drives me crazy on so many levels. So I guess a real entrepreneur is the way we think of it is like a startup person. But I think like French entree, I believe it's like a bridge. It's like a connection. So I think you could think of it differently, especially since they are they they it's not an English based. You know, these aren't English based speakers. So even entrepreneur, their interpretation might be different. But the fact that I mean, those are people who have infiltrated a company under false pretenses not to do the job they're hired to do but to to hijack the resources of the firm for a purpose that violates the fiduciary duty of the stockholders of course they think they're that stockholders because they're communists and i rarely use that word but they think there's no such thing as a valid stockholder that that there are stakeholders with equally valid um claims on how property is used. Yeah. The way that I think about it is they're like internal activists, activists who have infiltrated the business in order to change the values of that business. We've seen a couple of stories of employees from Starbucks who went and got a job at Starbucks and then immediately led a walkout with the other employees. So they were sent there to disrupt from the inside. And they even talk about that in the interviews, how they are activists. And I feel like this is what they're trying to get at a corporate level, except they want to institutionalize this idea of entrepreneurship in that they want to create a broad culture of innovation for them. They want to have a support network at businesses so that entrepreneurship is a strategy with ESG goals in mind. So they have a top-down initiative 
So, you know, entrepreneurship is essentially would be a ground up thing, you would think, normally. So activism, it's like activism in the business. But here, what they want to do is they want to create a culture where from the very, very top, they are promoting the people who are taking the initiative to do these disruptive actions from the bottom. Right. And what we talked about, I think, yesterday and on Friday were was that the way that the World Economic Forum gets the companies to do that top down is what I covered was Larry Fink and his $10 trillion of assets under management through BlackRock telling people, not only am I not going to invest in you, but nobody else will if they know that that our money will not support you. It's going to um, greatly increase your cost of capital. And you said that they were asking VCs to do the same and venture capital. So they've got the public companies, they've got the private companies, and that's how you do it top down. Absolutely. And they want to give these entrepreneurs and organizations more power, more reach. They want them to have a bigger role. They want them to be able to reach outside of the organizations and connect with nonprofits to implement social justice, climate initiatives, and just integrate them throughout the business. So this is encouraging not only employees within to take that mentality that where everything is, you know how we say everything in the news is connected to certain issues and agenda, same thing in the businesses where every action that's taken is connected to some sort of agenda or initiative that's climate, social justice related. And that's what they want to encourage. That's what they want businesses to implement because they say these social entrepreneurs are very, very vital in implementing ESG. And then they want to be able to measure it. And this is one way they want to hold the businesses accountable. They want to measure the way that the companies are propping up entrepreneurs. So show that you are giving people that have this mentality and that are taking these initiatives um, a platform that motivates them and increases their opportunities. And that infuriates me on another level, which is I've always defended capitalism as not being a totally pyramidal thing because as a wage earner, I can have shares in my company or I can take my 401k and I can invest it and participate in capitalism. But the but by taking over all of the capitalist companies to have this political agenda, I, in order to have any access at all to a return on my capital, I have to vote with money for this stuff. And the, so I always feel like the stakeholder thing is all about politics and the CEOs are politicians and the, and it's being controlled by the top because of financial through financial capitalism, which to me is the antithesis of true capitalism. And the type of behavior that this is promoting is somebody walking around your business there's not enough women in here. They'll have the right ratio of races in this boardroom right now. Somebody just calling out every single virtue signal that we get from the media. That's got to be the most annoying thing in the world. And probably taking out good leaders for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. So I see, and as part of the ESG thing, I feel like it's hand in hand with the infrastructure changes with just reshaping our world. Essentially the great reset applies to basically everything. And you pointed out the infrastructure. So the infrastructure stuff is like smart grids, um, driverless cars. A lot of that stuff is where infrastructure is going. And I remember with the Miami building collapse, you highlighted immediately. That's when the infrastructure bill was getting passed. And there was a lot of fishy stuff with that building. I don't believe that the story is what the official narrative says it is. And I believe that there's an agenda at work. And I, I tried to figure it out at the time. And I thought, 
Well, I think that they're going to start basically condemning buildings just for being outdated, just for being old, because they can't get smart. Like the Twin Towers, it couldn't get smart. It was just a building that just, it couldn't come down because it was full of asbestos, and it couldn't get smart because it was just too old to plug in like that. And I remember Rosa Quar used to say about how they wanted to make buildings like without niches. They wanted everything to be modular. You can literally look with the architecture and see UN sustainability goals on your street. So I saw that coming with that stuff. And then on the other, you also have like the wildfires, which are reshaping the landscape in the West. Who knows what the purpose is for that? Maybe it should change the value of this land. Maybe it gets swept up later, uh, gobbled up later by these um, really big a dean tweeted at us that Zuckerberg bought yet another huge tranche of land on the Kauai coast. And uh, they, they're they just gobbling up natural resources like crazy. And I feel like the fires and the architecture are converging in these urban fires now. So within one week of each other, at first, I immediately tweeted this and said, this has got an agenda at work. And And these stories are a little bit hard to believe that what they say happened resulted in the kind of loss of life. But the Philadelphia fire, um, there was a Philadelphia fire, I think last week, that was January 5th, so not even a week ago. And this was the headline. Philadelphia fire kills 12, including eight children, officials say. Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney says today is one of the most tragic days in our city's history. Then yesterday or the day before, there was an article, It's big, it was big news, Bronx apartment building fire leaves 19 people dead, including nine children. This is going to be one of the worst fires that we have witnessed during modern times here in the city of New York, Mayor Adams said. Those headlines were so reflective of each other within one week. I just and and the Philadelphia story had some agenda stuff in it that I just can't help but think that this folds into both the whole um you know, something symbolic about the fires, but also about pulling down the infrastructure, requiring new things. So both of those buildings were um, like projects or whatever. They were subsidized housing, both of them. Weird stories that the Philadelphia one, they said there's just too many people in this home. And I feel like they're looking for tiny homes. They want to... uh he said, don't don't judge them for overcrowding that space. Sometimes you just have to be indoors when it's cold. And it just makes me think that like the condo collapse and cash for clunkers, we're just getting this idea that old stuff is obsolete or dangerous. And that's so they can usher in the new stuff. The The Bronx story, people, it said 17 people died of heart attacks from smoke inhalation. If you see the picture, there's smoke coming out of one window. And they said the heat was working uh, and that still people were using space heaters, but that automatic fire doors weren't closing on themselves. And that's why it spread like crazy. But that's just and only three names have been released of who has died. And in the Philadelphia story, that was weird, too, because there was the last inspection was a year ago. And it said that there were uh, 10 that the batteries or lithium ion batteries in the smoke detectors that had 10 years of life. And the fire department said that the battery, the smoke detectors weren't working. So there's some weird stories going on here. And uh, I just feel like the point is going to be really probably ultimately a push kind of like the way they had urban renewal, I think in the sixties to, to take down any building that cannot conform to a real 
plugging into the grid kind of smart surveillance and, and they're going to yeah. start with the public housing because they have more control over that. Yeah, I think you're right. They want to focus on how we need this new infrastructure that they want to put in the smart grid. And also, I think on cyber attacks, I think we will probably see in 2022 stuff like this that is blamed on some sort of cyber hacking. I think, well, Klaus told us to watch out for the cyber stuff. And, and somebody tweeted us that, too, like when your thing yesterday where where what was it? Oh, power grid was something that, or power outage or whatever, was something that was going to flag them for domestic yeah. terrorism surveillance. I think that is going to fold in with the with the cyber attack. I think we're definitely... And you know what? That would also fold in with this idea of them bottling us up, slowing us down, making us immobile, making us less productive. It's all... We're kind of getting leveled down, as Dean said. Yeah, we're definitely getting leveled down. And they're leveling down our rights as well. And I want to give you a couple more of what the impact is of this new strategy for countering domestic terrorism. This is a conversation that was between someone who works for the Liberty and National Security Program at the Brennan Center. The question that was asked is, how concerned are you about the potential for civil rights violations in the wake of January 6th? And these are a couple answers that we didn't get to yesterday that shows some of the impact of just a complete violation of people's rights. And they say that we've long seen government monitoring on social media harm people in a number of ways, including wrongfully implicating an individual or group in criminal behavior based on their online activity, misinterpreting the meaning of social media activity, sometimes with severe consequences, suppressing people's willingness to talk or connect openly online, and invading individuals' privacy. Authorities have characterized ordinary activity like wearing a particular sneaker brand or making common hand signs or social media connections as evidence of criminal or threatening behavior. We've talked about that before with uh, hand signs, where they call it just racist because people put their thumb to their index finger. It seems like some of that's going on here. And they have in broad range to surveil people who are doing things like that on the justification of this increased domestic terrorism threat that we talked a little bit about yesterday. And there's a few specific examples here. The FBI disseminated reports to law enforcement in Maine warning them of potential violence at anti-police brutality demonstrations based on fake social media posts by right-wing provocateurs. The police arrested a teenager in 2020 on suspicion of inciting a riot, reportedly based on a mistaken interpretation of his Snapchat post in which he actually was denouncing violence. So the kid was denouncing violence on Snapchat. This was misinterpreted as promoting violence, and he was arrested. Yeah, I mean, these are definitely the risks of having surveillance without probable cause. And I mean, it's just the Bill of Rights is completely ignored and nobody's there to defend it. Listen to this one. The NYPD was accused of wrongly arresting a 19-year-old for attempted murder in 2020, in part because prosecutors argued his likes and photos on social media proved he was a member of a violent gang. They're monitoring words. They're monitoring likes. It's just there's no limit to what they are giving themselves the power to look at and investigate based on just nothing. This this is one of the dangers of having plea bargains everywhere, because if they get you on something trumped up and they can threaten you with a long enough sentence and you don't have faith in the system, then you might take a year. 
in the can just to get out of that bind that you got into. Yeah, because you flew a little bit too close to the gangbangers. Right. You like the wrong tweet. Yeah. I mean, that's why it doesn't matter if you believe the false flags. We believe they're up to no good. Just defend the Bill of Rights to the death and you're you can't go wrong. But people don't. They've got their eye off the ball. So before we get to the deepest dive of the day, which we're going to talk about the Rand Paul, Anthony Fauci feud. And I want to tell you what I think it's really, really about. But before that, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the XR. When the CFR issues a warning, it might be worth paying attention to. And will insurance stats finally reveal the whole truth about COVID and the vax? I don't know. But I also, before we get to any of that, or between, then I want to tell you about uh, our sponsor of today's show, True Hemp Science. We did a, a hemp cast with our friend Chris from True, True Hemp Science and with Aviva, who's our lovely friend we met through Garland and is also an election integrity activist. We saw her at Neighbors, and she also did the documentary Hemp Demic. And she, we actually posted that free on Locals, right? So the only place you can actually see that video free is at propreport.locals.com. You don't have to pay for it, but uh, you can only see it there. And if you actually do want to listen to the XR stuff, go ahead and uh, you can use the Try Locals free promo code and you can get a month free. And if you don't like it, cancel. You can still stay as a free member to just find the free stuff. And if you do like it, take advantage of the introductory offer of $50 for a year of our XR stuff. But um, that's just our new channel locals. But you can find the Hempcast there and you'll really get a sense of how what a good guy Chris is, how high quality his products are, what CBD is really all about. And if you want to know more or if you know what you, if you know about CBD and you want the truly, you cannot get higher quality CBD products than through truehempscience.com. I highly recommend you reach out to Chris personally. You can do that through the website and tell him that you're a friend of the show or a listener and he will definitely throw in a goodie or work something out. He's just a great guy. He supports the show because he loves what we're doing and I love what he's doing. I really like the CBD products. They're, they're not in my, my experience, they're not mind altering, but they are definitely helpful for some of the sense of well-being, anxiety, restfulness that you kind of want, especially of an evening in these troubled times. So highly recommend truemscience.com and also check us out on propreport.locals.com. And now, without further ado, on to the deepest dive of the day. So you saw this. Rand Paul and Anthony Fauci got went at it again today in Congress. Or yeah. the Senate, I guess. They do that like once every month or so, something like that. Yeah. And I never really pay attention to it because Rand Paul, I, I used to defend him and I don't knock him, but he lost me a while ago. Like, I'm, I'm a purist. I like the ideology of his dad. I really feel great when I, you know, I just love his father so 
on point all the time. And Rand seems like a little bit of a pragmatist, a little bit of a politician, a little bit of a compromiser. So when he comes out swinging with stuff like this, I feel like it has a sense of the kabuki theater. He's right. I don't disagree with anything he's saying. He's bringing real stuff to the fore. But what's it all about? And I I had this feeling that it was a, a scapegoat situation where they're setting Fauci up to carry the weight of the of the town. So a scapegoat in traditional, I think it's a, a Jewish thing from the Bible, in order to redeem the town and forestall God's disfavor, you would kind of symbolically put all the sins of the town onto an actual goat and slay the goat. But now scapegoating is, like you've probably heard the expression, but it's a very powerful social tool and what it's used for now the way they think of it now and i actually put a link in the note in the show notes is that it's a way for you to this is what the psychologists are saying it's a way for you to attribute to some outside party a mistake of judgment that you might have made or behavior that you made you engaged in that you don't want to take responsibility for and then you can persist in your error that's the problem with the scapegoating is it persists in the real error. So I figured, especially after I read the SPARS document, that there was a scapegoat coming. And when I see these guys, and then RFK wrote the big book about Fauci, we're talking to Dr. Joel Hirshhorn soon, and I heard him say to us on the Union of the Unwanted that Fauci is the mastermind, he's the evil one, and I don't blame Hirshhorn or RFK or anyone for thinking that. And I'm not even saying it's not true, but I'm saying this is going to serve a function. And I will give you the punchline first, and then I want to read you a few quotes of the Rand Paul thing and then the SPARS document, which clearly identifies this kind of phenomenon coming. But my punchline is what I thought was just a general, we're so stupid, it wasn't that bad, or the vax is bad or he, you know, he was pushing remdesivir that it's that the general society would blame Fauci and that the truth would come out about the whole thing. And I'm beginning to think now I'm not like going, I'm not like I cracked the code on this, but it seems to me that depending on how you look at that exchange, Fauci is either could be the hero in your mind and Rand Paul could be the villain. It could be either way. So that the Fauci scapegoat character is for the Trump supporters. It's for the Trump supporters to exonerate Trump. Because when I said from the beginning that if Trump had not issued that emergency order, if it had been Hillary that emboldened the go governors across the country or enabled them to uh, defy the Constitution or certainly gave them the courage to do it, if it had been Hillary, not Trump, there would have been four million long guns on the mall. Like, there's just no way it would have gone this well. And then you also had people just standing down constantly because Q said, trust the plan, trust the plan, trust the plan. So how could you be so wrong? Is it Trump? Is it you? Do you have to stand down now about everything, about the election, about everything? Well, not if you can actually push it all onto Fauci. So I'm going to read what it says in the SPARS document, and then I'm going to read you what, it, what happened, a little exchange today. And and that's that's all I got. You ready? Yeah. So the SPARS document says 
that as the pandemic tapered off, several influential politicians and agency representatives came under fire for sensationalizing the severity of the event for perceived political gain. And there was literally a point when Fauci and Rand Paul or Fauci said, I'm go- I'm telling you, it's on his campaign website. Fire Fauci. He is doing this for political purposes. And then Rand Paul flipped it and said, and you're telling me that these documents I'm reading into the record were not political. Yeah, Fauci actually brought a printout of Rand Paul's website, showed the image the promotional image. Yeah, I didn't Fire actually Fauci. see it, although I was watching the video. It says, okay, as with uh, yada yada, then it says, this is on page 66 of the Spars document. A This document was from 2017 on the Johns Hopkins website, okay? So this wasn't from 2021. This was from 2017 uh, before COVID-19 was even a, a twinkle in Bill Gates' eye. A widespread social media movement led primarily by outspoken parents of affected children, coupled with widespread distrust of, quote, big pharma, supported the narrative that the development of SPARS uh, medical countermeasures was unnecessary and driven by a few profit-seeking individuals. That's what everybody lays at Fauci. Conspiracy theories also proliferated across social media, get ready, suggesting that the virus had been purposely created and introduced to the population by drug companies or that it had escaped from a government lab secretly testing bioweapons. <laughs> that was five years ago Johns Hopkins wrote this about a SPARS <laughs> coronavirus. And today, Rand uh, said, "You." this is what he says, this is a quote, You were the one responsible. You were the lead architect of the response of the government. And now 800,000 people have died. So he literally said that laid it on the feet of Fauci, gave him put all the blame on his feet. Who hired Fauci? Who could have fired Fauci? Rand Paul's calling for firing Fauci. Trump could have fired Fauci. And Fauci says in response, you are distorting everything about me. And he said, so it got, it's personal. It's on his person and it goes back and forth. And Fauci, if you're on Fauci's side, you would have thought Fauci was right in a way, especially when he brings that printout. And then, uh, he, Fauci goes on to say he kindles the crazies and I have threats against myself and my family. There was a traffic stop recently. He goes on to say where someone had a big gun in the car and said he was going to DC to kill me. Apparently because he thinks I'm killing people. So this is a back and forth, but mm-hmm. I think it's for Fauci to be the scapegoat for the people who want to continue to believe in that Trump is Batman. Yeah. And he told that story about the guy getting pulled over who said he was coming to kill Fauci. And then he showed, he said, and I know why they're doing that now. I know why, because Rand Paul is has this fire Fauci campaign. So he connected Rand Paul directly to that guy who was coming to kill him. Yeah, they were both- he said... He kindles the crazies. Yeah, and then he it, gave that example. Exactly. And also, Fauci's fingernails are creepily long. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, I did not notice his fingernails, but that actually makes perfect sense. And that's really what you want in a doctor, is a doctor with really, really long It just makes him look like, if you ever saw Angel Heart with Robert De Niro, the devil character has like a super long, super long fingernails. Like, it's just oh, really, I don't know. Like, I don't even think it's... it's. He's so busy. You know, he doesn't have so, time to cut his nails. Oh my gosh, yes, totally. I'm still waiting for the day when Rand Paul is just going to bring in the audio or video clip to one of these little 
bouts they have every month of Kerry Mullis saying that Rand Paul will get up in front of the camera and lie to the American people and that he's been challenged to debate after debate after debate and that he will never debate anybody because he just does what he says. I'm paraphrasing, but make play that clip, make rant make Fauci criticize the person who invented the PCR who they base all of this thing on in the beginning this pandemic but he doesn't ever do it well I think that's a wrap we've got uh just wanted to tell people you can go to hiresidemeetups.com slash events and you can find over the next week January 14th in New York City January 15th in Yorkshire England January 15th in Fort Worth Texas and January 19th in Denver uh, tell them we all said hi. A little representation from Propaganda Report listeners, if you want. I think this is a great idea, and I really appreciate that Greg's doing that and that he's opening it up to other people. All of those start in the evenings. you got to look at the website to find the where exactly and the when. But, um, yeah, so share the show with anybody you know in New York, England, Texas, or Colorado. Fantastic. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Monica. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform of the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content Monica was telling you about, check us out on Locals, propreport.locals.com. We will talk to you guys in the DNBXR or tomorrow. Have a fantastic rest of your day.